unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. When you see we cut the chit-chat, a-hole. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we are traveling back to 1996 to take a look at Wes Craven's Scream. You know, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know we are not fans of horror. We, we don't really cover much horror and we have lots of requests for horror. Um, but we thought uh, as there is a new Scream movie coming out uh, this month, we want to jump onto some tedious connections and we thought let's cover something from from the late 90s but i think this it's safe to say this is a very important film for the horror genre and it came out at a very influential time in our lives so it definitely uh, bears merit in the retro ramble canon absolutely i think uh, even though we're not fans of horror that's probably because we we're not scared of them now but we were scared of horror when we were just young boys in those late 80s, when we were consuming all of our, our Rambo and our Commando. It took us a while to get into Aliens and stuff. We liked our action movies when we were well, young, and we yeah. got into um, horror later. As, as we, yeah, we, we've touched on previous times, you know, I'm a uh, you know, self-admitted uh, scaredy cat, but we've also always said that we respect good horror, clever horror. Yeah, and intelligent think, horror. And, I th- you know, we're, we're not interested in your cheap thrills. We, we just like that with our action movies. Yeah, exactly. We can't go there for everything. But, I mean, your, your, your B-movies, um, ridiculous plot, not a lot of thought. And I know there's a lot of horror films that, that fit that, you know, low-budget, slasher, bloody, gory. Some people love it, and we respect them just as I'm sure they respect us for taking uh, an interest in the action movies of the 80s that we do so without further delay we're gonna get going we're gonna launch the trailer but uh, anybody who's listened before you know what to expect so please bear with us while george just quickly explains what we normally cover for the first time listener so a retro ramble we are a film podcast Uh, charlie and i are brothers and this podcast series is all about us going back and revisiting the films of our youth Uh, having a look at uh, what made them so great at the time, do they still hold up, and looking into those production stories, go through the films in great detail, so there will be spoilers from the off. Or if you would like to watch Scream without knowing who the killer, he, she, or whoever does it, then you should go and watch the film first. Yes, uh, I think that's safe to say. So yes, spoilers from the very off, and there'll probably be some childish humour, some bad impressions, this is a light-hearted podcast. This isn't an in-depth critical appraisal. So we are professional podcasters, just not professional film critics. So you know, give us, give us, give us, cut us some slack, Jack. There are no doubt better horror podcasts out there that you should be checking out. But this is Retro Ramble doing Scream. So welcome, enjoy. enjoy. Here it is, 1996, Wes Craven's Scream. Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? 
since I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's wrong with this me? Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Let's get another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always on track, but they watch prom night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. You get one of those. We should have one of those voice boxes. Do you like scary movies? Hello, Sydney. Sydney. It actually works my cold. I may need to apologize to our listeners for my bunged upness. So, George, it's 1996. In a moment, listeners, I'm going to tell you about my first memories of this film because I went and saw this as a teenager at the cinema. So I was very excited about this. But how, before I tell you about that, or oh, do you want me to tell you about that? <laughs> Uh, no, let's yeah, let's let's start with your because you saw it at the cinema. You I were, think I'm you, the reason you why are, you saw it. You are of age. You were target. I market. was very much target. So this you were was, a sexy teen. I was. A, I was having a, sexy times. I was a super sexy teen on. Um, I think a few of us went to see it, um, but definitely fitting into that. Um, definitely fitting into what you could call that audience of uh, popcorn popcorn movie. And it ticks the boxes. I don't think... I, I had a similar experience uh, when I went to see Cabin in the Woods, obviously many years later. Um, so just Again, to, another clever horror but film. The type of horror yeah. films that I, and by that extension, George, and by that extension, Retro Ramble, like. So yeah, I went and saw this at the cinema. I want to say it was, it was the summer. It was either summer or Christmas. Well, okay. <laughs> it was a Christmas release in the states but i think it's still long enough ago to it might have been a few months later so maybe you know feb march yeah. in the uk 1997 I, it was i think i so in my head i have it down as it being a 1997 film but technically it's 1996 yeah i i also that jives more with what i remember in terms of my first memory in terms of who i went to the cinema with but yeah i went to see this and you know george and i've said we're very, uh, I wouldn't say snobby, we're, but we're very particular about the types of horror uh, we like. We hadn't watched it. We'd watched a bit of Nightmare on Elm Street. We watched a bit of probably Halloween, Hellraiser. When I say a bit, probably five minutes here and there. <laughs> but I went in, watched this film, and the blend of comedy, the self-referential, the in-jokes, the fact that it was on the nose, but it was also amazing tension. It was scary. Um, it was very fourth wall breaking. A, l- a lot of things that seem to be trendy now. I mean, just look at Deadpool and the like. Uh, not just Deadpool, but there's a lot of people trying to break that fourth wall, whether it's Lego, Batman, Deadpool, whoever. The know. Matrix. Yeah, The Matrix are doing it. Oh, my God. So, yeah, but I, 
I walked out of this film and I tell said to, I said to you I said you gotta see this movie, bro. Yeah, I remember. That's it. My first memory is of of your first memory. I remember you coming back. Shared uh, memories. We're back to the Matrix. Yeah, from uh, I remember you coming back from the cinema with your girlfriend at the time, and you just raving about it and just oh, George, trust me, I know you don't like scary movies, but you've got to see this. It's so good. And that was it. It became such the the zeitgeist. The you know everyone was chatting about it, and everyone you know had to see it. So, being the age I was, so I was you know uh, let's say was I a young four, man, 14, 13, 14. 14 at the time. So yeah, I would have had to have waited until it was available at Blockbuster Entertainment and watched it on video with friends. I can't remember which friends it would. It probably would be my friends uh, Sam and Dan when I was yeah a, a teenager. Um, but yeah, it was. A, a real zeitgeist movement. I remember it sort of shook up the industry. And I think that was it. It was a real revolution for the horror uh, genre because... Which had been getting a bit tired. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the writer himself said, you know, horror films were just dying on their ass around that time. They'd, they'd kind of run the formula so many times. They'd been umpteen, you know, Halloween's, uh, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's. Um, and it w- there was very little sort of great new stuff breaking through. You're talking about writers, George. I feel like we're on the ferry to production chat island. Uh, oh, have you got your tickets? I have got ching So yeah, yeah, we may as well jump into it. So how did we get this movie? Scream is is all down to uh, writer Kevin Williamson. So it was his second script. He'd he'd written and sold one script, but this was the the script that made him a name. Essentially, he wrote the script, and it was all. Um, it came back to a time. The inspiration came. He was uh, house sitting for a friend one night, watching a, t- a television special about uh, serial killers. And naturally, uh, it scared the hell out of him. And he just got that paranoia of you staying alone in this house. And then he noticed a window was open. He's like, I don't remember opening that window. He grabbed a, grabbed a kitchen knife to arm himself and started going around the house. And then he called a friend uh, to sort of to reassure him. And as he was like looking around the house for an intruder, they just start talking about, you know, the classic horror bogeyman. Yeah, that, 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 ins- like, that scared them as kids. And after that, it got him thinking, well, hang on, there could be something in this. And that turned into his uh, very sought after script titled Scary Movie. That's a clever name. That should be used for something. Uh, so, yeah, it got the script got into a bidding war. Uh, loads of people were like, I think it went on sale on a Friday. And then by Monday, everyone was fighting for it. Went for a sale on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it was bought by Dimension Films. Uh, so what did Dimension Films do? Dimension it's film- such a 90s brand is what I mean. So when I see Dimension Films, I'm like, 90s. I think, uh, Dim- so Dimension have a long-standing association with horror. I think they moved into, I think we have covered something by Dimension. I want to say Mortal Kombat, but that was... Um, I think you're saying it right. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Thank you. That was... The other one, New Line. So I don't know if that was New ah. Line and Dimension. But Dimension, I think, have they're predominantly known for being a, a horror studio. And that's why it made sense for them. Um, as a disclaimer, um, it's worth mentioning that Dimension are a division of Miramax, the company headed uh, by the now disgraced Harvey Weinstein and his brother, Bob, who's not disgraced as far as I know. 
he got away clean. I think Bob has got... So, yeah, Bob, uh, I think, heads up or headed up Dimension. But, obviously, them being brothers, they had their, like, sort of mitts over everything. And they had a say because... How could you work with your brother? I could bo- imagine that. They're both control freaks. Um, if anyone wants to read a... Uh, on a very side note, there's a, a great book on uh, about the uh, 90s sort of cinema and independent scene that covers Miramax. And um, it's by the guy who wrote Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, um, Peter Biskind, or Biskind. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's something to do with Reservoir Dogs. Um, but yes, it is Peter Biskind who wrote Raging Bulls, yeah, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. It goes into detail about the Miramax brothers and how awful they are and this is before the whole sexual allegations this is just about how bullying they were and how awful they treated all their staff all their directors and actors wow so we got this film but i think uh you know going back to what you're saying for me uh what was interesting was just it would just seem so aware of itself it was like we need to do something different we need to do it in a way that's not been done before but we need to respect what's gone before well, that's it. I think the way that Williamson had wrote this, obviously that we're going to get into it, but that opening scene grabs you. And everyone, there's some great retrospective articles online you can read. There's one on um, Hollywood Reporter. There's one on The Ringer where they get uh, you know the surviving cast together and everyone just talks about how once you start reading the script, you couldn't put it down. It was the, you know, the fastest script you ever read because it was so tense and engrossing. And that was it with when the guy, uh, the director of um, development at Miramax, read the script. He called up Bob Weinstein. Was like, "You've got to buy the script. If you don't buy it, I don't know what you're after. You know, this this is shit hot. You have to buy it." Um, so yeah, it it became that script that everyone got excited about. And as a result, when it came to directing, uh, Kevin Williamson said, "Every." every director's name that uh, came up and basically everyone that was associated with um, Dimension or, or, or Miramax. So Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, I think Danny Boyle I saw was was linked on that, George A. Romero. There was like basically everyone's name was was thrown at it. Wes Craven was, was a name that came up early on in the list. Um, he of massive horror... Hall of Fame. Yes, essentially, Wes Craven is the, the sort of the godfather of of modern horror, or as I'm saying, mo- modern as in nineties in in, in retro ramble terms. Yeah, in in retro ramble terms. So he's a man that yeah uh, brought us uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. Though he had didn't get involved in a lot of the the inferior sequels. He also did Last House on the Left, uh, The Hills of Eyes, I think. Again, I think I, you, when you ask people which is the scariest film you've ever seen, The Hills of Eyes comes up a lot. Yes, uh, and neither of us have seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as as we've said, the disclaimer: we're not horror fans, but um, yeah, Wes Wes Craven is a bit of a, a legend, and apparently, supposed to, well, he was um, sadly he he I think he died of brain cancer down in uh, 2015. But he's everyone that was worked with him said he was such a gentle, lovely man, considering he made some. Horrific, violent horror film. Yeah, and and ironically, one of the reasons he originally turned this down was because he thought it was too bloody and violent. Which it is. And we're going back to the first scene. I mean, um, so he'd he'd made he'd made all of these films. Had he taken some sort of break? Had had horror? Because I, what I well, what he, I see when I see this is I feel like this is kind of like the type of films we do cover when we look at the likes of Mission Impossible getting rebooted, Bond getting rebooted. This feels like 
popular culture horror getting rebooted. That's a, that's a good point. And the reason he turned it down multiple times, they kept going back to him and he was just like, I'm not interested. I'm done. He was basically saying he was done with horror. And I think that was down to his own personal uh, recent failures. To, to, so he had done a basically a, a meta, you know, self-referential take on the Elm Street series with New Nightmare, which I think is Nightmare on Elm Street Part 7. Okay. Um, which is basically... This is it, when we're going to get it right. Yeah, and it, it was... it was all, And that was in the, in the mid-90s. I think that was Seven like... times the charm. I, I think that was 94, and that was all about Freddy coming into the real world, and he's haunting the actors from the original Elm Street film, and it was a bit of a flop. And the other film that Wes Craven had done that was a little bit... Again, it was a bit of a horror comedy, but I think it was supposed to be more of a horror film. It was a horror film for different ways. It was uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, again, with Eddie Murphy trying to stretch people, his wings. A lot of people are saying that's uh, one, of, one of the best Eddie Murphy performances. Not me, though. No. <laughs> Actually, I might have got that completely wrong. Maybe people say that's one of his worst performances. Yeah, I think it's it's been a long time since I've seen that film. I think it's Eddie Murphy trying to... Show he's got range that he doesn't have. <laughs> yeah, show he's got, show, you know, I'm not just a funny man. Fuck you, Mr. Funny Man. Um, and I think, yeah, it was Wes Craven trying to do something different and it was a big flop. So I think Wes Craven was feeling a bit burnt out by the horror genre and he was tired of being confined, confined to the genre that he'd mastered. Seven films in the same franchise. I can't imagine why. <laughs> well, no, he, I say he did. Well, he didn't do a lot of the other sequels, yeah, which is referenced in this film. But he, it was actually his assistant kept pushing him to direct it. And she was like, this is such a good script. You know it's a good script. Why won't you do it? And what will it take for you to do it? And he was like... An act of God. Well, no, he, he, Sorry, I'm in 90s uh, Michael Bayham there. He, he basically said to his assistant, well, uh, Dimension would have to make me an offer I couldn't refuse. Basically, drive up to my house <laughs> with a truckload of money. And that's what she basically fed that through to dimension she's like you want Wes to direct it you've got to make him an offer he can't refuse i think that shows a lot of respect the fact that but for better or worse he hadn't been involved in the extending franchise of uh of elm street but he'd made that much of an impact and this was such as you say a shit hot script they're like he really needs to get his head around it and you could also see it from his point of view it's like not again not another franchise <laughs> well that's it it's of like you know because it did become that but that's it. It's it's a bit like, as you say, it's that thing you said earlier about it's a very apt thing, the comparison of Bond. Because with Casino Royale, it's like, well... We're back. Well, yeah, but who do we get Who do we get to direct this Bond reboot? Well, who did the last great Bond reboot? It's Martin Campbell who did Goldeneye. Let's get him back. And Goldeneye. Goldeneye. And, and that's it with this. It's like, if you're going to do a a re reboot of the horror genre, something that shakes, uh, takes the piss out of it. Who are you going to get in? You've Specialist. Got, yeah, you, you want to get in the master. Apparently, uh, Kevin Williamson's really doors was craving to bits and he said, um, I went over to his house and I saw on his kitchen table, my script had notes all over them and I was terrified he was going to butcher my script. And he said they were all typos because I think he's like a, a professor of English <laughs> as well. And he's just like, let's, you know, let's get the, the language done first. And, and then we'll, and he goes, he didn't touch my script at all. Um, I think there's been, obviously there's some improving from the actors that we'll, we'll talk about later on, but he was so respectful of Williamson's script and Williamson like just spent the whole time on set just learning from from Craven. But yes, he is he is the master. So yeah, let's let's talk about the the references because there's 
There is another big film of the 90s, which is referenced at least two times in this film, Basic Instinct of yes. 92. And is that because I want to say, and the reason I bring it up now, because you're talking about Kevin Williamson, we're talking about the writing, we're talking about the the genesis of this uh, of this idea. I feel like he was he watched Basic Instinct and he watched this series. Hey, thing. hey, buddy, we all watched Basic Instinct. <laughs> we all watched it at least. We we're watching it weekly back then. Uh, I mean, we didn't have the internet. What's a guy going to do? No, um, but I feel like there's a big the the tension of and the it's it's the is she is is she the killer? Is she not the killer? And the fact that it, that that film was a word of mouth um, cinema explosion. Everyone went to see that. Everybody was talking mm. about it. It's like, you get to see a growler, man. I mean, there was, there was zeitgeist, there was zeitgeist, zeitgeist growler, zeitgeist, zeitgeist growler. Um, no, but I, I feel like it's, 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 it's referenced twice in this film, isn't it? Yeah. And again, that was, yeah, it was probably when he was writing it in the mid nineties, that was still he was taking breaks and putting on basic <laughs> instinct for 10 minutes. As, as we all were taking breaks, taking your pants <laughs> off, watching basic instinct. Um, but yeah, it's um, this, you know, it's the the whole, it, it, in the mid-90s, you know, you look at Tarantino was, you know, the rise of the video store clerk, the rise of the, the nerd that, you know, now continues that having... And we that. have a video store nerd in this film. Exactly. And we have a video, we've got a blockbuster in this film. And that's why you can see why so why Tarantino was, was on the list of like, oh, well, this is so, and, and you can imagine him like, well, I'm not, it's not my script, I'm not touching it. Um, I, th- I also think with yeah, it, it, I think he probably respected the idea. But if it if it had been him, it probably would have been like four stories s- said by video store nerds about their favorite things, and they all get picked off or something like yeah. that. It would be it would be very much more uh, celebratory. <laughs> yeah, it would all be set in it like like kind of like clerks, and it would be guys talking about their favorite scenes and of um of say horror films, and then one of them being the killer and, and reenacting them. But but if you look at like Tarantino is a great example, and Guy Ritchie to a lesser extent is is a great example that when you know Pulp Fiction came out, the amount of crime films that tried to ape his style of that random dialogue that um into you know that uh, disjointed storytelling and it's the same way with with uh, when lockstock came out the the rise of all those like british gangster all cockney geezer films that came the rise out. of the state um and that's exactly what happened with scream we're probably we're probably getting ahead of ourselves but this created we're such gonna talk, a we're going to talk about the movie in a second but this creates such a phenomenon i mean Ke- uh, Kevin Williamson for himself would uh, printing money. Well, he went on to do screenplay for I know what you did last summer, which was loved it. Another day movie, The Faculty, nineteen ninety eight, and he's also behind Dawson's Creek. So he was. You need teens. I, I I've got it. I've got it. You need teens talking older than they really are. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so- Wise ass teens. Let's 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 jump into the film here for a second because I think you you've touched on a point which I was thinking about uh, both with um, you know let's talk about that first scene because it's both in this first scene with with Drew Barrymore big star she ain't gonna die obviously because it's a big film she's a big star great shocker but in terms of her age uh, Nev Campbell is it Nev or is it Neve 
Steve, Steve, Steve. Well, well, why don't you say Nev and I'll say Neve? Okay, and we'll we'll agree to disagree. Um, but and everyone in this, they all they are they all look unlike uh, of the time or maybe a bit earlier, early nineties. Unlike Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero, they all look like they should be at uni. Their school looks like a uni, and they're all talking like they're at uni, but they haven't had sex yet. So they're they're apparently supposed to be teenagers. But that was kind of like a staple at the time. Um, but just to jump back to, can I shock you about the Drew Barrymore shocker? Uh, ready to be shocked. So I'm going to jump into some pre coulda woulda shoulda. But Drew Barrymore was the first person to sign on. And originally she signed on for the role of Sydney. For th- Sydney. Um, and it was her decision. Uh, so she came on board before Wes, Wes Craven was. And it was her decision. She actually went to Wes Craven and Ken- Kevin Williamson and said, actually, I've had an idea. Why don't I play the part of Casey, the girl at the start? Because it'll be a bigger, a shock. Im- a bigger impact. And everyone just looked at each other and was like, oh my God, that's an amazing idea. And... Kevin Williamson said, even like even when he was writing it, he would wanted a big a big star to play that role because he said it was a bit like Psycho with Janet Lee gets killed off in the first act. Apologies, spoiler for Psycho. Um, but yeah, it was it was an idea that everyone just jumped at. I mean, um, he said um, you know the studio was really into it. Uh, they were great about keeping it secret. They were billing it as a Drew Barrymore movie. You know that in the marketing. That's what materials. I remember, and I think that's where the shock is delivered. And I'm sure she probably didn't wait. I, you know, I, I don't I don't mind being good out of the movie. I mean, obviously, I'll still be taking the same paycheck, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I think it's so powerful. But let's talk about that opening scene because... Oh, yeah, that's, um, let's get into it. Because as you say, it's that just immediately sets... Like, there's no preamble. There's no, like, there's no build-up. You're just dropped straight I, into I it. I was going to say that this film, it's like scream. And then we are, we are straight in there. There's no like, me, 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 me. Yeah. There's no like rolling vistas of a helicopter. What coming. are you doing, Casey? Why are you so crazy? Oh, okay, we're going <laughs> to go out now. Okay, I hope you're okay by yourself. <laughs> are you guys going out tonight? No, I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. No, no, it's like we are straight in. The phone rings. And because we don't have cellular or mobular Not many people have cells. So what, what are you doing with this? cellular and mobular telephone so this first scene it's just like boom from the off um you've got the i mean it everything's i i, I thought i was like I, I i know this opening i know the shock i'd forgotten about steve on the that that, that hit me again i'd like obviously you know what's gonna happen with is it why don't you turn on the patio light but i'd forgotten about that shocker but for, for some reason i was thinking the most dated thing you're gonna see in this opening scene is the phones. No, it's not. It's the popcorn. We had we had microwave popcorn back then. That was yeah. Like, was no, that, but is that is that an Easter egg? No, That's no. That's what I feel no, like. No, it is. I, that adds to the tension because you've got fire, mic- fire, yeah, fire. It's it and it's the fact the thing the uh, the foil expanding, yeah. the, the steam turning to smoke. I'm very aroused. Uh, just like the popcorn is, because it's getting bigger and bigger. But um, why does she keep answering the phone? I mean, I haven't even well, watched that, an Honest trailer on this, but I reckon that's the sort of thing Honest trailers are picking up. It's like, don't answer the phone. But we didn't have the internet. We didn't have mobile well, that's phones. Or, you, or, or take it off the hook. As yeah. that, that was an old saying, kids, taking the phone off the hook. Put the phone off the hook. Um, or as No, but I think they do address it when it's like, why doesn't she call the police? It's like, because they won't get there in time. We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's quite a bit of uh, trivia about this opening scene. So um, apparently, um, so you know, when we've talked about this before in film production, when you are when you're 
when you film something, um, you have your footage at the end of the day. They're known as dailies. Even I know this. And, I'm George's and, and, brother. I know nothing, but I've spent enough time with him to know this. And the dailies get sent to the studio for them to sort of check in and say, oh, yeah, okay, it's looking good. Where's, where's, all, yeah, where's, yeah, all, where's all our money going? Where's the money going? Who wants a body massage? Can't say that. <laughs> so apparently Dimension started getting cold feet when they saw the... They, they shot this in... Uh, well, the opening sequence was the first thing to be shot. And when they saw the dailies for it, they were like... We're really concerned. We're really concerned about Wes. It's we just you know, it's just not very. Is you know, is it supposed to be a horror film? It's not coming across as very scary. And they were like, basically like, was this all of the phone back and forth? Yeah, yeah, because it was being filmed in California, and Dimension are based in New York, and they're like, yeah, we just we just we're just not liking what we're seeing. Um, maybe we should look at replacements for Wes. What? Which is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, the the pressure was on Wes Craven. So he's like, okay, let me edit it together and then I'll show it to you. And uh, Bob Weinstein saw the edited compilation. was like, oh, what do I know about daily? <laughs> I mean, what do I know, Wes? Okay, go back to work. But some great trivia I was reading up on this is that the, the guy that provides the voice of Ghostface... So that that amazing voice is a guy called Roger Jackson. Well, thank God I haven't had to ask the question because even when they're doing it, I'm like, that's not just the voice. Box it's not thing. a voice changer. I was like, because it's not just a voice uh, obscure, voice changer thing. Uh, it's like you can tell it's a guy talking normally, and and it's like he was picked for his voice. So I was going to say, who is that guy? Yeah. So yeah, he's a guy called Roger Jackson, and he was cast. And originally, I think he was told he was just going to be used as like. A, you know temp track but the interesting thing that drew barrymore insisted she wanted him actually on the other end of the phone when yes. she's doing her scenes. yeah i can believe that she, so she 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 didn't want somebody off off camera just deliver oh, okay what, what what you're doing now you know it's like do, do you, you like scary yeah. movies she wanted the person but she didn't want to see him so he was like they were filming in the house and he was in a tent nearby um, hooked up to a phone line and doing, to doing it live because yeah she wanted a genuine reaction and and actually it apparently none of the cast met him until they'd finished filming because Craven thought it'd be a better way to bring out those shock reactions the mystery until they're at the craft services so who are you <laughs> well exactly <laughs> he just calls them up could I have the mashed potatoes please what um, a voice but um, yeah he, he was only intended to and I think it was the same with um a similar story with, with C-3PO. I think he was only ever intended to be used as a temp track and then, we'll, oh, we'll get we'll dub in someone else later in. And But Wes Craven was like, no, this guy's really good. We've Nine got to Nine films later. And that's it. Yeah, he's been kept throughout the series. But yeah, I mean, what an opening. It's the fact that it, it gets escalated. And like, you can understand her calling, oh, it's a joke, it's a guy. The first two or three calls, I, I get it. But then you can see that she's getting scared. And then there's the, um, you know, obviously... Now we can talk about spoilers. It makes a lot more sense now that there's two of them, you know, because yes. which door am I at? Um, How's it all happening? How how do they get Steve onto the patio? Yeah, and whilst on the phone, uh, and that will. I think <laughs> <Just> about, <laughs> <laughs> Just give us a second. Pop quiz. Um, but yeah, I think there's all of this. Uh, there's added tension. It's the fact that she puts up a good fight, and we'll see that a few times in this film. She gets away. Her parents are coming. They're home. getting closer. They're getting closer and closer. It's there's so much emotion. There's so much the tension building in that opening the scene. Popcorn. 
Yeah, and the popcorn exploding. Uh, but it sets up the film. It, se- it sets up the film. And then the film begins. It, what's weird is it's such a strong act. But, I mean, we'll talk about plot at some point in this because I was watching this going, what is the actual plot of this film? Um, you know, like, what's what's the arc? Uh, where are we going with this? But uh, it's such a strong opening, so well written. But it's it's also pretty relentless. Like, in terms of, I forgot, like, you know, yeah, you've got a bit of time with uh sydney and you know the main characters hanging out at school oh my god you know he, oh you dated him again and then and then it's quickly sydney's at home sun's going down shit's good and i forgot how quick it all like it it, it rolls it. off because it's a yeah, shortish film because the story itself happens over what two or three days yeah it's 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 a weekend it's a weird, yeah, it's well, of course, I forgot because you've got dad's you've got dad exposition. Yeah, hey sweetheart, just want to let you know I'm going away for the weekend. I'm, I'm staying, staying here, and I've left you some money. Uh, it's like thanks, dad exposition. Thanks, dad. Well, if you're not going to get dad exposition, you're going to get newsreel exposition. Oh, well, we talked about this in our uh, Rocky episode. I, I made notes on that news footage exposition. The murder of Sydney Prescott's mother. Yes, I mean let's let's talk about this. I got chills in that I felt there was some some def there was definitely some. This was made in between the Rock and Connor. I think it was the reason I bring that up. There's just some very bayer bay There's all the the sirens and all the news. The news feels like, and it's the music as well. I was going to say it's in it's, Woodsboro. Um, uh, you know, it's a very sort of uh, like it's Marco Beltrami, who's his. Uh, I think that's how I pronounce his name. Uh, apologies, it, apologies, Marco, if I pronounce it wrong. But it was his first score. But he would go on to do loads of. I think. Probably some Bay films. I think that's. He, I think it's the music. It's kind it's, of it's like, like a, electronic uh, tragedy has struck a small town. Bow, it was, bow. Yeah. It's a bow, 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 bow. Um, so yeah, I did. That's why I was getting the sort of Bay M chills. I was like, there's going to be a helicopter explosion any minute. But um, yeah, it, it, it dials it. I up. see green smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got. Um, I think first build. Uh, I think it's in the end credits. One of the first build actors is David Arquette, who is the brother of Patricia Arquette. Of yeah, sure. Why not? True romance fame. <laughs> um, Neve Nev, Steve. Let's just call her Steve. Steve Campbell. Um, <laughs> Steve Campbell. <laughs> Steve. Courtney Cox, uh, who was still making a million an episode probably back but then. F- her, her reasoning uh, for it, she wanted a... A break. A, well, an anti-Monica. She wanted a bitch. She, she wanted something that wasn't, was a bit of a, a change from Friends. There's that great joke, which I think is actually in the second one, where they're like, there's a picture nude of you online. She's like, actually, it's my face in Jennifer Aniston's body. <laughs> yeah. Um, so once again, self-referential. But yeah, there's there's a lot of actors, and I think watching this uh, when we sit, George and I always go back and watch these films. For me, this time it was like you know exactly who the bad guy is, and that you're watching for that at every one. There's some great dialogue between them uh, when it's like so obvious. There's the there's the double bluff, but just calling it back to watching this the first time, even though you don't know who the killer black brackets S are. Um, the whole, the double bluff when, you know, what's he called? I've forgotten Sydney's boyfriend's name already. Billy. Billy. When Billy comes over and the phone drops out of his pocket just after the killer's been... What are you doing with a cellular phone, kids? <laughs> this is 1996, yeah. stroke seven. I can remember we're, we're, there's going to be a yeah. lot of twists in this. This is going to be fun. This no, is a real it. whodunit. That's it. And I, I kind of, I half for, forgot about the amount of red herrings in this. So yeah, you've got the, oh, it's definitely Billy. Oh, it's not Billy because the, the phone records don't match up. And then and when Billy's in prison, the killer calls him. Yeah. And then there's the bit with uh, the boots in the toilet. And then you see the sheriff's boots are the same. 
And even our good old friend, the best lawyer in California, Henry Winkler. The Fonz. Cannot stop thinking of his role in in Arrested Development when I see him. But I can remember, this will show you George and I's roots as Retramble, whoever I'd taken to watch this film. Misha, it's the Fonz! Like, as soon as he came on the screen, I knew exactly who he was. But it wasn't until this time, because he's made out to maybe be the killer when he's going around with the scissors. He's going a bit snip happy. He's going a bit snip, snip, snip. But this time, what I noticed is when he's being stalked, unfortunately, just before his demise, did you notice the When fond- he opens the cupboard. The Fonz jacket. Yeah, I only I didn't, noticed I it this time. Didn't get it the first time. Again, that, that's obviously for repeat watching. Uh, and again, it, maybe it's just the magic of the clarity of, you know, digital media. But yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, that's the Fonz jacket in and his then, cupboard. And then three seconds before that, we've got Fred the Cleaner. Played by Wes Craven. I did not know that, but I did notice it at the time. It was yeah. it was very much on the nose. The stripy jumper was very much on the nose. And the hat. And the hat. And the fact it was called Fred. Um, I thought he called him Friend, but yeah, it's Fred. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, not no, no, Not you, Friend. Um, but I, um, you know, hats off to... Uh, it's a very short, but he's brilliant. Uh, to uh, the, the Fonz, Henry Winkler, um, because he didn't want to be his name isn't in the credits he said he didn't want to like distract from all the other stars like um wow but, but he's brilliant in it isn't he like as you say it's such a short like um moment and about your principal loves you i, I love, love that <laughs> just on the, the tannoy your principal loves you everyone uh, no one's to go home by themselves um but uh, apparently um it was a, a studio note for so i say kevin uh, williamson's script wasn't really touched apart from Bob Weinstein said there has to be a murder every um like every seven minutes. What was the uh, seven minute stabs? Uh, uh, Not yeah, seven minute abs. Seven yeah, minute stabs. Yeah, no. Apparently, the principal was killed because Bob Weinstein felt that thirty pages without a murder was too long. Because it, it doesn't link to all the other guys are teens, aren't they? Well, and there's the the camera guy and stuff. Should we talk about plot? So Should we talk about motive? So Sydney's mother Cray Cray uh, was promiscuous. No, no, I get that. I get that at the end, but that doesn't explain all the other murders. It doesn't explain Stacy at the beginning. It doesn't explain the prince. Uh, I just Casey, thought I'd bring it up. So, so, no, but Casey they they do explain it because in in that opening scene where they're all by the fountain, they're like, "Oh, Stu, didn't didn't you date her?" And she dumped you, and it's like, "Oh, so that's the reason. That's okay. the connection there." Okay, I'm assuming it is. Yeah, anyway. I think you're right. I think you've done it again. But I don't know why they kill why they kill the principal. It's never explained why they team up. I think that's the one thing I walked away from this thinking. They explain everything, like, and you can see there's the bit of the guy who the only guy who's still earning a big paycheck apart from I think Neve Campbell popped up in Steve. House of Cards, Steve. Because um, he's popped up as the fonts are still working. Of course he is. Um, brilliant in Arrested Development. The worst lawyer for being the best. I can't yeah. do anything for you. Um, yeah, is uh, Steve popped up? Is the husband in that? Uh, I can't remember the. the oh, it's Matthew Lillard. Is yeah, that Matthew the guy? Lillard. He's who, popped up who as plays the hu- Stu. Yeah, Stu. Yeah, he's popped as as the husband in that uh, with Kath the 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 redhead from Mad Men, the show that she's in with three women robbing banks. Oh, um, what's her name? He's the, he's the bad husband who's having an affair. Uh, Catherine Hendricks. So I Christina. Can't remember. Christina. Uh, Hendricks. Why would you cheat on her? Yeah, why Why on earth would you? He's in that. He's also FBI agent in... I am an FBI <laughs> agent. Not, not type of that. He's in 
Bosch. So that's why. Oh, I, that's why you love. That's him. why I, I know him. So, but what Babbling I mean, on Bosch coming soon to Retro Ramble. Charlie's going to start his own po- podcast. Charlie Bosch. in a room by himself, just with Bosch. Um, George editing hours. Of Charlie <laughs> babbling about Bosch. Bosch the Bosch babble. Um, so no, what I mean is he has lasted. You, what you can see is he's. Uh, I tell you who hasn't lasted. Skeet Ulrich. I'm not Johnny Depp. Yeah, I mean, he's. I've, I'm Johnny he, Depp he, with bad teeth. He did have a career for about five years, maybe. What else years? was he in? I, I um, recognise the name, but I can't remember he, seeing him in it. Uh, well, that's else. it. I can't. Off the top, I remember him being in a '90s high concept thriller. It's basically like Speed, but Lon Fury. It was called. I think it was called Chill Factor or something, and it was about. A bomb, but if it went below a certain temperature, it, it explodes. Would go, so they're driving it around in an ice cream, cream truck, and it was him and Cuba Gooding Jr. It didn't do very well. <laughs> um, but I remember the premise saying, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was in that. Uh, I think he tried, like, yeah, he tried to have a bit of a career, but he never, he's good in this. Yeah, and you, I'm not Johnny Depp. I'm not Johnny Depp. <laughs> That's all I can th- keep thinking. I've got my hairstyle like him. I'm trying to talk like I'm him. I'm doing that intense, lingering, yeah. staring thing. Yeah. Um. He's all, he, is he sweaty? His hair always looks wet. It was in the 90s. It was greased. It was it was brill cream. No, so to go back to my point, like what is... The, the only thing that annoys me about this, and maybe it's for the sequel, it's not explained why they start working together. It's explained why one of them's... You can work out why they're killing these people apart from poor old Henry Winkler. But why do they get together to decide to? Well, that's start it's, it's it's a bit of a throwaway line. Um, so obviously, you get um, Billy doing the monologuing about, you know, Sydney's mum broke up his his family, and that's why. Like, it's the only clear motive I see. That's that's a clear motive there. And then the joke is with Stu. It's like, well, what's what's your excuse? And he goes. Peer pressure. <laughs> he is very much comic re- relief throughout, and, and it's is, not surprising why he's the one that went on to have the career. Yeah, and a lot of it is uh, like, un- understandably, a lot of it is is ad libs from him and both b- both Williamson and Craven were just like, just go with it, just run with it. Like even the bit with the like, you hit me with the phone, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other, you know, shout out must go to uh, Randy, the uh, the video store nerd. But who would pop up again in, in is, I want to say, Enemy of the State? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And a few other films. In well, he, he basically, like, um, in this retrospective says, yeah, I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for, uh, for Wes Craven picking me. And he's great. He's great. And, and he was up against some stiff competition in uh, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. I'm looking forward to that already. I think we need to have a quick chat about Patreon. Isn't that right, George? That's right, dear brother. So, yes, recently we have uh, joined the flock of many podcasts and artists and entertainers, and we have gone on a subscription model of sorts. But don't worry, dear listeners, we are still going to be doing our monthly episodes. Nothing changes there. The, The idea is that we are going to be giving a bonus episode. Not only will you get the bonus episode where George and I focus on a bunch of things uh, whether it's sequels or specials or all of the things we threaten to do which are outside the scope of a normal episode so be sure to check us out that's patreon.com forward slash retro ramble It makes more sense having two killers because the the annoying thing of films, the very few films of this genre that I have consumed is 
how does the killer always get there? Why is he always where you're not looking? How come they don't hear him coming? How do they wrong get wrong-footed? How do they not see it happening? And in this, you can t- the fact that there's two of them, it totally yeah. makes sense. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's, it's that wrong-footing throughout um, that, yeah, you're just like, well, how can, they, how can the killer get there so quickly? And it can't be such and such if they've got over there and... Something that would be retread again in Hot Fuzz. I was just thinking that as well. Just with the cloak. And very similar as well, yeah. But speaking of which, shall we talk about the mask? Do you want to see my mask? Yeah. Do you, um, so you're going to tell me, was it, was it always the Scream mask? Or which so, came first? So the Scream mask did come first. And it was actually discovered when they were um, doing location scouting. One of the producers walked into... You can house. pick it up in every five and dime in the, in the state area. And that, and basically that's what she walked into, like, this kid's bedroom and whether, whilst they were location scouting. And she was just like, that's it. That's got to be it. That's that's a mask. But Dimension, the studio, were really annoyed about this. Like, well, no, because we we don't own the rights to it. We, we need to make our own mask. You know, think of the merchandising capability. So they actually said, use that as a base and we're going to get the special effects house to create all these weird and wonderful versions and we'll film different versions and... Nothing looked better. And yeah, and everyone was just like, all the other versions just look shit and it just didn't work. And It's truly terrifying. Well, it, it's, you know, but it's, it's that sort of thing of the simpler the better, you know. Sometimes it's the most... It's, it's like the Michael Myers thing. The Michael Myers thing... Hockey for, mask. For the, uh, no, that's, that's Jason. Once again, showing my knowledge of the genre. Uh, Michael Myers, Halloween, um, most people know, but it's um, it was such a low-budget film. It was a repainted William Shatner mask. It was a William <laughs> Shatner from Star Star Trek, and they painted it white. Oh, now it, I can see it. Painted it white, it. Yeah. and that's why it was terrifying. Um, William Shatner with white makeup on is, is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, so, yeah, they it was, a, it was a battle that the studio lost because they were like, well, we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to get the money from this. But they're just like, um, everyone fought for it. It's like, no, it looks so much better with, with this mask. And actually, I did actually own that mask. Uh, for, I know, because I pulled a trick on someone after we'd seen one of the films and came into the room. They're like, ah! It used to be my potty trick of just going around as people were falling asleep and just checking in on them, wearing that mask. Can we talk about the in-jokes and the referencing and the... I mean, we've talked we about... We haven't the, got time. We haven't got time favorites? because there's so... I mean, what are your favourites? Well, I mean, we talked about the um, Hello Fred in the shirt, the Fonzie thing. Or Hello Friend. Or Hello Friend. Um, I'm pretty sure he says Fred. I think by the end of it, it gets a bit tired. I, I, I think there's some lines that stick out, is what I want to say about the self-referencing. There's the Ruth McGowan lines. She's talking Rose. about... Rose McGowan, she's talking about... Um, Wes Carpenter, she's talking. This sounds like a terrible. It's it reminded me of Top Secret. This sounds like some terrible kind of Wes Cup. But is it? It's it's. But there are some clever bits talk about the industry that there's too many of these type of films and it's. Uh, but that was it. it. It was. I think that's why I shook things up because it was. It was having its cake and eating it because you've got the line where Cindy's like, oh, I don't like horror movies. It's some dumb, big breasted girl who runs upstairs rather than running out the front door. Which and is exactly what, what she, she does. then proceeds yeah, to do. Because yeah. the door's on latch or on the chain and she can't get out. Um, but they do give it, they do kind of twist that in that the girls, all the girls and all the are, capable. Kick, are kicking ass. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's it. And I suppose that was the thing. With, Even throwing, getting killed, but I've never seen somebody take a beer so badly. Well, that's, yeah, throwing the beer bottles. and But the, the one thing, 
um, that I need to talk about is probably because it's a film I've seen a lot more. Is I can't help thinking of scary movie. Yeah, and they do some parts of this film better because yeah. it's funnier, and it's I think in a way they've taken the subject material and the fact that they're able to make it funny. They're poking fun both at the source material. And the zeitgeist this film's trying to talk about, and they do it in a funnier way. Yeah, I mean, I say it's it's a bit of a as people said when Scary Movie came out, it's like what's you know you're making. And people said the same about Loaded Weapon. Is like you're making fun of a comedy. You know why it doesn't really work. Whereas, but it does. If you in especially in the juvenile humor when you've got the sort of like oh no, what am I supposed to do now? Break my own leg. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like the 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 large girl trying to get through the cat flap um, <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched a lot of Scary Movie, but it, it is... They're good. They're, the thing is, the they're, wa- they're watchable. Yeah. The first one's definitely watchable. And I think the third or fourth one is as well, but they're not all good. So, um, yeah, that goes back to uh, my point to the, um, the original title of this film and throughout filming uh, and even the cast's um, rapping gifts. Uh, Rose, Rose McGowan has a a rap party gift, a bottle of wine that says Scary Movie on it, right up until the final hour. It was, was going to be called that. It was called Scary Movie. And Miramax made the decision, I don't know, maybe they just thought it was too lighthearted that it needed a proper horror name. And as somebody pointed out, well, the mask is based on the, Ed, Edward Monk's The Scream, yeah. the, the painting. So it kind of makes sense. Um, but one, one of the... Uh, people that worked on the film was like, oh, they obviously had an ulterior motive. They obviously had in the back of them, their mind, well, we can spoof this and we can call it Scary Movie. But in a very roundabout way, if you don't have Scream, you don't get all those torrent of not only Scary Movie sequels, but you get, you know, all those shit spoofs that neither of you and neither you and I can touch want to touch of like epic movie and all that shit and meet the Spartans is all because of scary movie scary movie because of spoofing but they are the Diet Coke versions of hot shots uh no but what I want to say about that scary movie is it just reminds me of Taken because in Taken they don't say the word kidnapped ever and in this film, they keep talking about scary movie this scary movie that don't say horror is this a American Anglo American English difference because we would say horror films. I mean, we call them the horror films. The horror films. Do Americans not call them horror films? Are we missing something? Is this is this lingo? I don't, honestly don't know. We need to we need to research that. So, um, no, I mean, I I really like the. I think what's funny about this film is that there's a lot of. Um, I think the way I'd sum it up is like tension of the first act. Amazing opening first act, and they obviously put a lot of work into it, and it works amazingly well. Uh, brilliant job there's a lot of setup and padding and as you say we need a murder every as i said before seven minute stabs and then i really like the third act i like how it shakes down at that house party i like the fact that again it's that horror movie trope it is and the i'm sure the house is modeled on psycho i think from a distance or or whatever there's some there's some shots of it can i just say how badly lit this film is (laughs) did you notice that is it not supposed to be though is that a joke? Be- no, but I'm not saying what you just said. But I mean, is that the joke? Is it that 
there's there's scenes where Dewey, who's brilliant in this, by the way, uh, David Arquette, the scenes of him and uh, Gail uh, walking outside, and you can tell they're having it's really badly lit. You know, there's like there's the street light, and then yeah. you can, there's light coming from the moon, and then there's something else. But oh, um, you mean there's obvious like studio light? That's what I mean. Yeah, the, the rather light... than you can't see them. Oh no, it's not that you can't see them. It's just in that last final act. But I really like that. I love the delay, the creepy thing that you can. He's behind you, it's, and it's, he's it, shouting it, at. That's so yeah. cleverly written. It's it's a great gag. It's it's it, what well, it's, it's a great yeah trick of that. Oh, it's only about thirty, 30 seconds. seconds. I'm dead now. Yeah, I don't know. What to, I just think that uh, I went and saw the second one at the cinema as well, so it worked. You know, yeah. I, I'd say this worked. It got me to the cinema the first time, and I went and saw the second one. Well, let's quickly touch on that. How many of them have you seen? I think no, but let's talk about the degradation. I went to the first one at the cinema, I loved it. Went to see the second one at the cinema for that reason, and I think the third one I, I watched it on Sky or Video or something. I was like, meh. I'd, I was done yeah. by then, you know. Yeah, because I, I, I'm the same. I remember the second one is is good. It's 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 you know it's still like it 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 keeps you guessing. And the actor who is um, what's he called? T- Timothy Oliphant. No. Uh, no, I'm talking about you know the Lee guy Schreiber. Yeah, Lee Schreiber. So he's implicated. He's much. He's a much bigger role, isn't he? Well, again, that is. I don't. He's, know. he's your go-to bad guy in '90s '90s films. Oh, well, it's because he looks so evil, and he's got and that he voice. So evil. Um, I think there is. So apparently, I, I, I'm I'm taking it with a pinch of salt because I read it on um, IMDb trivia. But apparently, Kevin you know Williams, it's real. Kevin Williamson included um, a five at the end of his script. Um, five pages of ideas for Scream 2. That's very good of him. Um, very it's good of him. almost like he was planning a sequel. Um, so, and that's why they put in that seed of everyone's like, well, because Lee Schreiber's in this, in a, like, for all of what, it's not him, even what, it's him 10 court, seconds? Court, on, courtroom on, footage. Courtroom footage. And it's like, everyone's like, well, why have they put him in that? And at the t- I think it was at the time, it was like, he was an up and coming um, actor, and they were like, "Oh yeah, do you want an easy gig? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it." And then it's like, and if it, and it was very clever forward. Plant the like, seed, and if it becomes a hit, you're in the sequel. Because he's referenced a lot in the script. Gail talks. It's how yeah. Gail makes her book on it. Yeah, and, and, it's, it's, and it's the it's the um, the rival. Oh, not rivalry is the wrong word. It's the tension. The 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 stake between um, Sydney and and Gail. Yeah, is the fact about that, that. She, could she have been wrong about the whole thing, and. So that's clever, Cassie. And I, I, it's been a long time since I watched the second one. And I'd I, say it's on an even part. It's less original, but it's good. It keeps yeah. you guessing. It's just as funny. It's it's once again just as referential. And the second and one the actually in- has some black characters in it, right? It actually does have some black characters. That are killed off at the start. I, I, of course. And also... Uh, we ha- we have the internet because in this film she's she's <laughs> dialing nine one one. She's emailing. It's not even. It's she's modeming. Uh, she's modeming nine one one in this film, and that's ironically what makes the killer run away. But in the second one, we've got the internet, right. and that shows you it by ninety eight. I think it is. I want to say uh, ninety seven. is the sequel. They basically wow, turned around fast. in less than a year. But the the internet was upon us. Yeah, and we had um, amazing, amazing AOL. AOL. Yeah, but it was here, and it and it changed everything. And you could see in this film, it was like um, how Sydney go. It's all the media. They're, they're everywhere. The media That's have to be there in films. This, like, this film is internet. Before we had phones to capture everything. We needed the media in these films to explain how the story was getting spread. Yeah, and I noticed they they go in heavy on this. Obviously, again, we talked about the media presence in Rocky Fall, but yeah, they really yeah, as in terms of storytelling, 
in terms of the actor, the whole thing of celebrity, you know, about Gail Weathers, everyone's like, oh, I love your show. You're amazing and everything. She thinks she's a bit of a big deal too. A bit of a big deal. She's a top bitch. She wears some very short skirts. Yeah. I, I, f- I forget because isn't the, in the second one, they're watching the film made of the events and then once again it's highly referential lots of injuries and then the third one is on the movie set of the second one that's why I, I can't remember that but Jenny McCarthy's in it that's all I can tell you all I can remember about the 90s is Jenny McCarthy and, and basic instinct bits of basic instinct uh, I haven't seen the fourth one which I think was quite belated that came out 2011 and was Wes, Wes Craven's last film but apparently a lot of people say it's, it's a good one it's worth it's better than three I think that's not saying much so final thoughts um, as I say, it's it's a very important film in the horror genre. It completely, you know, if you look at all the films that followed, I know what you did last summer, The Faculty. I Jeep, still know what you did last summer. Jeepers Creepers, uh, Final Destination. I actually don't know what you did last summer. Um, I, <laughs> Final Destination. Can I come to your summer party? Um, but yeah, we've... What are I'm, you doing next summer? Say, I'm we, planning to kill you. We We haven't... We're not horror fans, but we can appreciate this film. We are is, fans of this film, though. We are fans of this film, and I think that's... We'll as I was definitely saying to you, watch the new Scream film when it gets to streaming. Yeah. <laughs> and no, and I think, I think that's it. The one thing I said to you is that, obviously, once you know the reveals and the twists, it, you do get... It, it is diminishing returns, but it's still a brilliantly put together... A thrill, a horror horror film, and it's a very witty script, and you can see why so many people were just like, "Wow, we've got to do this. We've got to make this film." We like to try and pick the the special films, the lightning in the bottle, um, the cult classics, the zeitgeist. And for me, yeah, final thoughts is, I still get transported back to that. I can remember why I was calling you and saying, um, "You need to go and see this film." Uh, because it you was weren't just, calling me. We li- we, we were we, living together. We were living together. I was coming in, home in the same house. Um, but I, I can remember why because um, we were still kids. No, but it was all the shocks and 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 everything. So interested to see what they do with the next film. Um, anything else you wanna you wanna? Um, I haven't got to uh, coulda woulda shoulda, and I, I need about at least twenty minutes. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So coulda, woulda, shoulda is when George enlightens us as to the actors that were considered for the roles but didn't get them. So for coulda, woulda, shoulda, there is a who's who of basically everyone. So for Sydney, there was, we've talked about Drew Barrymore, but there was Brittany Murphy, Melissa Joan Hart, uh, Reese Witherspoon, apparently. I say interestingly for Randy, the video store guy played by Jamie Kennedy, Jason Lee was the, the key, uh, the main choice uh, for the studio, uh, obviously of More Rats and My Name Is Earl. Um, but he lost out to Jamie Kennedy as well as Seth Green and Brecklin Mayer. He's the wow. guy from uh, Road Trip. Apparently, this is according to IMDb, but um, Billy um, Joaquin Phoenix turned down the role. What, for Billy? Yeah, for Billy. My God, he would have been amazing. He would probably too intense. Uh, and then there's uh, Elizabeth Berkeley um, from <laughs> who auditioned for the role of Gail Weathers, but was immediately turned down due to the backlash she received for Showgirls. Oh right, okay, also, that's that's who she is. Yeah. Also, runs um, Brooke Shields was nearly cast as Gail Weathers uh, after Gian Gar- Garofalo turned the role down. Um, so yeah, that's Coulda uh, Woulda Shoulda. <laughs>
that was George and I taking a look at Scream. Any final things that we haven't discussed, George? Anything I missed? No, no, you were there the whole time, so I don't think you missed anything. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was great to go back, but hopefully it has um, we've given it for you horror fans out there. You know, the the justice this film deserves, and we've we've gone into it in the relevant retro ramble treatment. Uh, we're fans. We are fans of this franchise. It goes without saying. Y- yeah, I mean. I'll and I know what you did last summer. I thought that they were cashing in, but yeah, why not? It got us in the mood. I went through a period of going watch these slasher films for a while. Final Destination. Thanks. Watched Final Destination two recently, and that's with the like massive pilot put on the motorway, and it's it's brilliant. I no, but that that opening scene of that film is bonkers with the logs flying into yeah. people's heads, yeah. and it's just the pilot, and it's so graphic. God, I want to watch that film. That's it's that's great. brilliant. It's great. <laughs> Um, but anyway, talked enough about screen. But do you know anything about the the new one? I know nothing. I've seen the poster for it. Just have recently. you not, not even seen the trailer? No, no, I haven't seen the trailer yet. So should, the, should should I? Because I I'm, I don't know. I don't like trailers anymore. We don't no, have no, a voiceover it's, guy. They reveal too much. No, it's it's a it's a clever setup because it's basically saying okay, it addresses, <laughs> it addresses the elephant in the room of well, how do you do scream in a modern setting? You know, with mobiles, with smart homes. Yeah. And you've got the killer of oh, right, okay. like calling on the mobile. Then she's like opening up the home app, cl- lock doors. The doors are opening and stuff like yeah. that. They're, they're, okay. They've been hacked and stuff. So, so interesting. It's all, and then it's all about let's get the band back together. I've seen that, that Courtney, David, oh, they're, 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 they're all back. Neve. Yeah, yeah, they're all the, Neve, Nev. They're all back. But um, yeah. it's yeah, it's one of those belated sequels that we're getting in every month. It seems you know, like Matrix, like The Force Awakens, where it's the old guys and then the new new gang, the, still, the old guard I, passing it over to the new. I guys. also, I'm not sure you have either. I, haven't, I still haven't seen uh, Ghostbusters, the new 2021 Ghostbusters. So I need to get. No, I was I was keen to to see it, and I missed it at the cinema. Oh, well, um, I guess we'll we'll let people know what we think as and as and when. For any of those who are already following us on Patreon, you'll know George and I are doing much more recent reviews, uh, which are available to all our subscribers. And uh, we'll be talking about the films that have been out this Christmas. So, Yeah, uh, and we'll, to- on our Patreon channel, we'll also probably be doing more sort of mini reviews. Short and sharp. So yeah, yeah. you can expect us to cover the big Marvel films like the upcoming Spider-Man, um, The Matrix. And 22 is going to be a big, big year for a lot, a lot of, a lot of, Real gigs coming up. Real gigs. Real gigs. So for this episode, uh, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.